Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, May the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 2.43 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, it's Sunday afternoon. If you are listening live, I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday afternoon. If you're listening any other time, I hope things are going well for you, and thank you so much for tuning in. But it's Sunday afternoon for me, because obviously I'm doing this program live, and um, I, you know, I head back to Victory Baptist Church in a couple of hours for the Sunday evening service. We'll be in Matthew 24. Uh, but it's Sunday afternoon, and th- there's a number of things that I have here in my stack of stuff that we probably need to talk about. But we, I, I just can't do it. I can't talk about any of these other things because I am preoccupied with the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. That's that's what I am preoccupied with on this Sunday afternoon. And maybe maybe this will be of some interest to you, but I I we have to talk about Balaam and his talking donkey because the story, even after all of these years of studying the Bible, it doesn't matter how many Bible institutes, Bible colleges, seminaries that I've graduated from, I'm still as perplexed by the story today. I think as I was the first time I read, what in the world is going on with Balaam and the talking donkey? Do we, do we interpret it the correct way? Do we, do we, do we, do we, do we really understand what's going on? I I know it may make for fun preaching and you can really, a lot of preachers love, love that passage of scripture because you can really like, you know, if you're good at storytelling, you can make it funny. You can make it humorous. It kind of gives you a little bit of, a lot of pastors take a lot of artistic license with it, but what is it really trying to say? What is really the point of the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. What? What is, is it? Is it just supposed to be a story that we can tell the kids in Sunday school? Like, it, there's got to be something of great significance. And I, I just, I don't know. Do you feel like it's been missed? Do you feel like we've missed the point? I, okay, let's state it this way. Do you think you've missed the point? Do I think I've missed the point? I don't know, but we're going to have to talk about it today. And I hope you're willing. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you can just, you know, sit back, grab a Bible, a notebook, maybe something to drink. And we're definitely not going to finish this in one episode. So once again, we're creating, I'm creating another situation where I have another series going. How many different series can I have going on at one time? I always end up with too much, but, but this is how this occurred, just so that you have context. We started looking at the 30 life principles as taught by Charles Stanley. And the reason I decided to start talking about them is as I think I got a, I don't know, I saw it in a some kind of a Christian catalog, you know, with books and everything. Maybe the CBD, was it a Christian books distributor, their little catalog that sent out. I don't know where it was, but I saw and I was like, oh, here's the 30, 30 Life Principles book, the 30 Life Principles study guide, the, the Life Principles Bible. And I'm like, you know, this, this is still very popular all the way in 2022. I mean, I know it's been out for a while, um, and I know Charles Stanley is not the most relevant pastor in 2022, but he still, you know, sells a lot of 
you know, books and a lot of merchandise. And so yeah, it would be fun for us to at least look at the 30 life principles, not only because it, it sells a lot of things, you know, a lot of books, but just because supposedly these 30 life principles are the principles that Charles Stanley has been teaching, uh, you know, 50 years and his 50 years plus of ministry. Now, I don't agree with all of Charles Stanley's theology or doctrine, um, but I just think, you know, here's someone who's been teaching for 50 years. Here's these life principles. What are these life principles? Let's, let's at least consider them. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be entertaining, okay? I thought it would be something interesting. And we got to, let me see if I can go back here to the uh, to the uh, the contents. We started going through the 30 life principles. Number one, our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Now, I, I questioned a little bit and played the devil's advocate for principle number one and principle number two, but principle number three, I was like, okay, that's a, that's a pretty good principle that God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm, that no matter what's going on in our life, we grab onto God's word. It is immovable. It is an anchor in a time of a storm. I'm like, that, that is really good. And I thought, you know what? I bet you that will that would serve for kind of a, an interesting devotional study, right? Let's look at what Charles Stanley teaches in regards to that life principle, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. So I reached over to my iPad because it's a hyperlink. I clicked on it and boom, life principle number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. And right underneath that is numbers 2319. I'm like, wow, they they go to numbers. And then when you start looking at this study on this principle, they go back to Numbers chapter 22 and they start working through Numbers 22 and parts of Numbers chapter 23, may even go into Numbers 24. And in that section, lo and behold, guess what we read about? We read about Balaam and it's talking donkey. And I'm like, oh, wow. And so when we were looking at it, kind of struggling with it, my struggle was, how does this really fit the, the principle? I, I don't, I still am a little baffled by why they use that story to try to prove the principle. We, we, we talked about maybe why, but for me, I was just still perplexed once again, because I was confronted again with the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. So this is what I decided to do this afternoon. I came across an article entitled, Three Lessons from Balaam and His Unusual Talking Donkey. And I'm just going to use this article. We're going to kind of walk through it. But here's what I'm going to do. And, I, and this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. As we walk through this article, and I'm, I'm going to do it just like if I do a sermon review. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to analyze what they're saying, critique it add to it, whatever. This is just going to kind of serve as a, a template to get us into the discussion, right? This is just serving as kind of the launching us into the discussion. But as we work through this, when we get to the actual section, you have Balaam and the talking donkey. I want you to really stop and go, okay, what, what is this trying to tell us? What, what, what's really the emphasis here? Have we missed the point? 
let me throw this out there. Is it possible that the thing that happens between Balaam and his donkey, now listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that it's an allegory. I'm not saying that it's a parable in the sense that it did not happen. Is it possible that sometime, somehow this historical event, because we have to read it as a historical event, I don't think there's anything in the text to say it's not. Is it possible that this historical event between Balaam and his talking donkey, that somehow it serves as a illustration, as a parable? It's trying to give a, it's trying to use a historical event to, to teach us a deeper spiritual principle or to picture a deeper spiritual truth. I, I'm, I, I don't want to be dogmatic. It just seems that the story is so bizarre that it has to be there for some reason. So we're just going to start working through it. I, I labeled this part one on purpose because I don't want to in any way feel like I have to speed through it, right? Because, yeah, I just want to take our time and just see what we can find. So are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to skip the first part of the article because they kind of lay out the three lessons. So they, they kind of say, here, here are the three lessons I'm going to give you. Then they give you the three lessons. And at the end, they say, here are the three lessons I gave you. That's very much how you're taught to give a speech in some speech classes. Tell everyone what you're going to say, then tell them what then tell them what you were going to say. And then at, at the end, remind them of what you just said. And I, I don't always like that structure. So I'm just going to skip that. And we're just going to jump down to this. So here we go. It's Saturday, May the 22nd, 2022. Or Saturday. It's Sunday, May the 22nd, 2022. And we're going to spend some time with Balaam and his talking donkey. When we're finished... Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're going to find some good spiritual insight here. Here we go. According to the article I have in front of me, one of the most interesting characters you'll ever find in the Bible is a guy named Balaam. In all honesty, I've had a hard time figuring this guy out. You know what? I... I don't know if I have a hard time figuring out Balaam as more as I have a hard time figuring out what in the world was going on between Balaam and the donkey. That's that's what I have a hard time figuring out. It just seems so bizarre. But okay. But at least this person acknowledges they have some struggles as well. I think their focus is on Balaam. My focus is on what in the world happened with the donkey. But okay. He starts out and you think he's a man following God. He says and does all the right things when you first encounter him in the book of Numbers. He even looks pious at times, right? They make an argument that when you first meet Balaam, when we're first introduced to Balaam in the text, that he's going to look godly. He's going to look pious. He's going to look like a man of God. All right, do, do, do we agree with that? I, I, I don't know. Let's continue. He's a guy who dines with a king, is well known among his own people, and is a legend in neighboring lands. He's also the only person I've ever read who actually talks with a donkey. Now, that's the part that I go, 
Like some of these other things, you're like, okay, that makes some sense. I think I can, I, I can, I can at least, I've got some way to judge it, understand it, analyze it, critique it. But when it, when it slides over to him talking into a, talking to a donkey, I, it it seems to me to enter into the world of some kind of parable, some kind of fable, some kind of like mythological story. Like what in the world is this? Now, I again, I by by no means am I questioning the historical accuracy. I just think because it's so bizarre that there's got to be like a deeper spiritual truth to it. And I think maybe we overlook, do we overlook it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can do some sermon reviews and see how other other sermons have handled it. I've heard a lot of sermons on it, and I, I can tell you that I think some seem to miss the point. Maybe, maybe you have had a different experience, but here we go. Balaam's story is found in the Old Testament, but Peter and Jude mention him by name in the New Testament. In fact, you'll even find him again in Revelation, right? Now, that makes him, again, very interesting character. Not only is his story very interesting, not only is he an interesting person, not only do you have the donkey, what makes him interesting, again, is he's, he's mentioned by Peter, by Jude, and they say even in the book of Revelation. Well, that that really adds, again, what, what? This guy is pretty significant. I mean, he's he's so significant that even New Testament writers are referring to him, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but still somewhat fascinating. Let's continue. Now, I have not verified the next sentence. I have not verified this. Feel free, if you're listening live and you want to jump into the chat, let me know, or you can email me if you know this to be true or if you know this to be false, right? So the next thing I'm going to read, I'm going to put a giant question mark because I have not verified this. This is the claim. There's more page coverage given to this donkey riding prophet than there is Mary, Jesus's mother, and then and then the apostles. He's got presentation, he has God's ear, and he clearly hears God's voice. Now, I will say there is a considerable amount of pages dedicated to Balaam. I would think that there is more, I think there's more pages dedicated to uh, Balaam than Mary. I think I can agree there. But the apostles, I don't know, like, I, I would have to know exactly what they mean by that. Because are you saying... Yeah, I I don't know. I would have to, I I don't know about that one. That's the one I'm a little questioning on. I will say this, a large amount of scripture is given to Balaam and his story, which again makes him fascinating, right? He's, he definitely seems to be, to talk to God and God definitely seems to talk to him. So again, that puts him in a unique position. So who, who is this donkey riding guy? Was he genuine, and how did his donkey get so smart? More importantly, what can we learn from this prophet with a talking donkey? Now, the article is going to try to give us three lessons we can learn. They're going to say, okay, we've got all of this information. Let's condense this to three three things. So I, I'm going to follow this because I want you to come up with at least three things, but I'm just using this to, I'm just using this to get me to the story of Balaam talking to his donkey. Now you can say, well, you could have just jumped right to that. I could have, 
but then that would then eliminate the context. And I think the context needs to get us there. So I'm going to use the context not only to get us to the talking donkey situation, but then also maybe that you can benefit from some of these lessons that this article is going to provide us. All right. Now, the next part, they label Balaam and Balak. Balaam and Balak. All right. Balaam and before we get to Balaam and the donkey, we have Balaam and Balak. What is going on here? Now, when it comes to Balaam and his story, the account is recorded in Numbers chapters 22 through 24. Numbers 22 through 24. So that's that's a sizable piece of, of that's a sizable passage. You know, that, that's multiple chapters dedicated to Balaam. And, well, okay, that, that again makes him very interesting and very significant, right? So the account is recorded in Numbers 22 through 24. Here's kind of the setup. Israel was there camped out in the plain of Moab near the end of their 40 years of wandering in the desert. So Israel's been wandering around for 40 years. Everyone 20 and over has been dying. They've been wandering and wandering around because they didn't go into the promised land because of their disbelief. Okay, we, they've been wandering around for 40 years. Balak was the king of Moab. So you have now here, so you have Israel, they're wandering around, all right? Then you have Balak, and he's the king of Moab. And he had seen what had happened to the other nations in the neighborhood that stood against the Israelites. The king was scared. So he hired a well-known prophet. Balak wanted him to issue a curse against Israel so that the Moabites could defeat them and get them out of their backyard. So Balak, it's very, just very practical, very pragmatic. Hey, I don't know what the world the Israelites are doing, but they've defeated other nations and I want them gone. I don't want to be next. I don't want my nation to be next. What can we do? How can we, well, let's, this very, there's a well-known prophet out there, Balaam. Let's bring him in. He'll curse them. This will weaken them. Then we can go in, destroy them. We eliminate the threat. We eliminate the threat, right? Very pragmatic, Right? Very, just a very fleshly, worldly, pragmatic approach. They're dangerous. Let's destroy them to preserve ourselves. Okay? That, that, makes, that makes sense. This is where Balaam looked like, now, this is what they say. This is where Balaam looked like a real man of God. He took the time to ask God what to do, and he listened when God instructed him not to go with Balak's men. The king sent his men back a second time with more money to persuade this seer to come curse Israel. And again, he refused. It looks like obedience, right? And we read about some of this in Numbers chapter 22. All right. Uh, you can see uh, starting in verse, well, you go to verse four. Uh, well, let's just go to verse three. Let's just read some of this. They, they just kind of summarize it, but let's read a little bit of it. And we'll just see if anything jumps out at us. We'll just, we'll take the time to do this. Numbers 22, because again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be in a hurry. It's just, it's a, it's just a, a lazy Sunday afternoon. We're just going to take our time and see what we can get from this. All right, so Numbers 22.3, Moab was sore afraid of the people because there were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, 
now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Again, everyone's scared of Israel. Everyone's like, they're just like the ox licking up the grass. They're going to take away, they're going to destroy everything. Verse 5, he sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of the people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they come, they come, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. So he sends messengers to tell, hey, Balaam, there's these people come out of Egypt, and they're taking over everything. They're a threat. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Preadventure, I shall prevail that, that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot, for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed and he whom thou cursed is cursed. Balaam is obviously well known for being able to bless and curse. And whenever he blesses, someone is blessed. Whenever he curses, they are cursed. His, his reputation precedes him. So, hey, go get the guy who can curse people. We need, we need the, someone who can curse people right now. We need them here, and we know who they need to curse because we've got to weaken these people so that we can destroy them, that they can be defeated by us. Verse 7, And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. So they bring him the, the, what's referred to here as the rewards of divination. They, they got money. They got some, they got some material possession to, to say, hey, we're, we're willing to pay for your services. Can you go curse these people? We need them defeated. All right, simple, straightforward. Verse 8. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. Now, I agree. He looks really godly right there. All right, guys, I know what you want. He probably seems to understand that there's going to be payment involved. But hey, hey, I've got to go see what the Lord shall speak unto me. So he seems to have a a back and forth conversation with God, right? He seems to, to, to know that he can just talk to God. Very interesting situation. Once again, kind of, kind of, I don't know. It, it just, it just makes the story so like, so is Balaam like the good guy here? Is he, is he, is he the godly guy here? These other people want to curse Israel. And it seems like Balaam just wants to hear what God wants him to do. Verse 9, and God came unto Balaam and said, what men are these with thee? All right, so he's, he's talking to God. He's talking to God. All right, that seems to be pretty straightforward. Verse 10, and Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, a king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, verse 11, behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me, them, preadventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Seems very simple. You cannot go with them. You can't curse these people because they're blessed. Simple, straightforward. Verse 13. 
Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. So he's like, okay, this guy's not going to come. We'll send more honorable people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to convince him. He's using every worldly idea and strategy he can come up with in order to get well, Balaam to go, all right? And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto a very great honor and will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. Look, Balak needs you to show up, Balaam. And if you do, he's going, I mean, you're, you're going to be rewarded greatly for this. So you've got to show up. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me, now look at this. This is where it gets really, look what happens here, all right? Um, verse 18, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, um, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So then, so then he says, okay, look, hey, even if he was to give me the house full of silver and gold, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. This really seems to indicate Balaam is, is I mean, it's, it, it, you would think it indicates that, man, this guy is godly. I mean, this guy is like, hey, you can bring me everything. It's not going to matter. I can't do what, I can only do what God tells me to do. I can't go against God. At this point, you're like, man, Balaam, dude, you're taking a stand, man. You, you're committed to God. Now, verse 19. Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Now, okay. Hey, I, now it's, it's kind of weird here because you're like, well, God's already told you no. So why are you going to go ask God again? And he did mention in verse 18, all of this money. So is it like, Hey, even if he gave me the money, I can't do it. But maybe God is, 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 how do we read this? Do you read this like, okay, look guys, I already told you. Look, you can bring me all, all the money, all the gold. You can bring me everything. But I can't do what God, I can only do what God tells me to do. I can't do what he forbids me to do. I have to follow God. And then it's almost like, but maybe, maybe he will let me. I mean, God's already told, how many times does God have to tell you no? So, so right here, it just seems like, is this, is this a crack in the armor? He looks so pious. He looks so godly, but he's like, you know, hey, even if you were to bring me all the money, well, you know, maybe God would let me do this, right? Now, this is the way the article handles this, all right? This is where Balaam looked like a real man of God. He took the time to ask God what to do, and he listened when God instructed him not to go with Balak's men. The king sent his men back a second time with more money to persuade the seer to come curse Israel, and again he refused. Looks like obedience, right? But then the article says, look at verse 19. But stay here one more night. And I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. 
That's the translation they use. Let me read it again from the King James. Um, now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. There, there's the idea, what he will say unto me more. In the King James, you may not see it, but he's like, hey, I, I, you know what? Just you stay here one more night and I'll go see if God has anything else to say. Now, does, is there, is there, should that raise a red flag? Should that make you go, oh, I don't know. Why is he doing, because it, do you, do you remember this when maybe you were a teenager? Hey man, we're going to go do this this Friday night. Can you go? Hey mom, you know, dad, I, all my friends are going to go do this Friday night. Can I go? No, you cannot. Absolutely not. Yeah, oh, man. Okay. And you go tell your friends, I'm sorry, you can't go. And then they call you and like, hey, hey, you're not going to believe it. You know that girl you like? You know that girl you think is so hot? She's going to be there Friday night. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't. Look, I got to do what my parents tell me, but but I'll call you back in 30 minutes. Mom, Dad, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure I can't go? Do you have anything else that can we can we negotiate this? Is that what we're getting here? Hey, I already know the answer is no, but I gotta ask one more time because, well, I mean, I may maybe the the, the I mean, he's now thinking. I mean, he, I don't know. I, I don't want. You don't want to read something that's not there, but you don't want to leave something out. This article clearly calls this into question because this is how they describe it. What's going on here? This is what they say. What's going on here is our prophet wants to do what God has told him not to do. They think that this indicates that he really wants to do it. He wants to do it. Maybe because he he wants, he knows that he can get a lot out of this situation. He knows that he could probably ask for all the money, all the gold, and he could get it. So is it a situation like, okay, I know you said no, God, but I really want to do this. Do you think that, that this is indicating that I want to do this? I, I want to do this. The article seems to indicate that it does. Here, Here's what, here's what they say. What's going on here is our prophet wants to do what God has told him not to do. We all do that now and then, and it's never a good thing. But God allows us to do what we want to do. Not, I, I would think sometimes he definitely does that. Some would refer to this as a permissive will of God. We can get into a whole dis discussion about that. But I think, I mean, obviously, some, sometimes God, instead of hindering us, he allows us to do what we want to do. It just then we have to sometimes face the consequences for doing what we want to do, even when it's against what he's told us to do. The, uh, they say this, God sometimes allows us to do what you know we want to do. And they say, I can't explain it any better than saying sin always carries consequences. So many things have gone wrong in my life when I've done that. And I'm sure you can relate. That's what Balaam is doing here. And it's probably the money that's enticing him. Do you think that's fair? Do you think the, the, the story really hinges on verse 19, where he's like, okay, hey, guys, just let me, let me go see if God has anything else to say. Do you think this is the real, the key here? Now, if, if, you, if you notice what happens, look at verse 20. God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou 
shalt thou do. Now, it's just fascinating that in verse 20, God seems to say, okay, if they come with you, look at verse 20. Um, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with him. All of a sudden in verse 20, God's like, okay, go with them. Go with them. What, what, what changed? What, what, it just seems weird, right? Hey, you can't go. Okay, go. Okay, go. Is this like a, a parent saying, okay, all right, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is that, is, that, is that how we interpret this? Again, we don't want to add. We don't want to subtract. And we're still a long ways from the talking donkey, all right? But let's see what the, the article, how it, they handle this. This is what they say. What happens next is God says, you want to go? So then go. God sees something in the heart that's easy to miss. Now, I don't know if this is true. And I don't know if we're reading that correctly. Remember, pre, uh, sometimes preachers, we, in an attempt to create a sermon, sometimes we almost create our own narrative. Like we take it from the verse, but we create a narrative that sometimes we may be actually, we're kind of just reading it into the text. That we, we create our own narrative and read it into the text. I don't know. The whole part here is just bizarre. You can't go, okay, go. Wait, what, wait, what just happened? And so do we read it as, okay, okay, you want to go? Fine, go. Do we read it that way? Or the way they write it, you want to go? Then go. And according to this article, they believe God sees something in the heart that's easy to miss. They say that there's, there's something in this text that reveals what's going on inside of Balaam. Now, you, you, can, you can tell me whether you agree or disagree. They say back up two verses, back to 18. 22:18 And Balaam answered, remember they come back and they 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 offer all of these promises that uh that you're going to be willing to promote you unto very great honor. We'll do whatsoever you say unto me. Whatever you say, in other words, we'll do whatever you want. We'll do whatever you ask. That that's that's pretty big. And in verse 18, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. Now, according to this, they believe this reveals something going on in Balaam's heart. This is what they claim, right? They quote the verse, Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord, my God. His thoughts were on the increased bounty Balak's men had brought. What they're saying is that when they come back, they clearly come back with more, and he sees it, and it, this immediately starts, okay, well, look, you brought more, but even if you brought the, the entire palace full of gold, I still can't do what God has forbidden me to do. But it it's he's, he's focused on that. In other words, immediately... Just by saying that, it sounds pious, but it may actually reveal that this that he's being enticed by it. Now, I, I don't, I don't in any way want to say something that's not in the text. So I'm saying I'm just I'm I'm throwing out ideas here to get us thinking. Because sometimes our a, a 
Think about it this way. Is it possible, I'm just going to throw out a principle, that sometimes our outward piety is not only a cover, but a clue to our inward desire and lust. Sometimes the, is it our outward, I can't do that, even if even if you were to give me all of that, I couldn't do it. Sometimes it's, is it our outward piety, our outward condemnation, our outward judgment that sometimes actually reveals more about the inward lust? So is it sometimes the one that says, look, you can give me all of that. And I still couldn't do it. You sound so, I mean, you are loud, you protest, but maybe your loudness and your protesting and your condemnation really shows there's something going on there. Now, I, I'm not telling us we run around and try to determine every person. You look to yourself. Don't look to other people. This is something about you. The thing that you are so bothers you. You get so upset about. Are you so bothered and upset because you know deep down there's an issue inside of you? Does his outward piety here really reveals inward struggle? I I, I don't know. This is what they have to say. His thoughts were on the increased bounty Balak's man had brought. Peter wrote about that and pointed out that Balaam's way was greed. Sadly, you could probably name at least one modern celebrity pastor whose measure of success is how many books they sell rather than how many lives are changed by their books. Okay. But again, I don't want to go focus on someone else, but they point to Peter as possibly proving this point and that Numbers 22.18 is the, is the, the smoking gun, Right. Let's go to 2 Peter 2, 15 through 16. 2 Peter 2, 15 through 16. 2 Peter 2. I know we're not, we're not going to get to the talking donkey. I know, I know, but that's okay. 2 Peter 2, 15 through 16. Now, if this is true, then what we have is you have, you have something hidden. You have something hidden that's causing a problem, right? Like the issue here in Balaam is what is, there's this inward greed. That's the problem. It's not, it's not, it's not seen immediately. What is seen is his piety. What is seen is what such a godly man, he can't be bought. He cannot be bought. This man wouldn't do it if you gave him all a palace full of gold. He still wouldn't go against God. It, it, there seems to be an outward piety, but is this an indication? Is this the first hint that, wait a minute, there's greed inside? Second Peter 2, verses 15 through 16 says this, all right? Um, it talks about, uh, well, we could go back and, and look at everything that happens here. We'll just start in verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. This this seems to to say it. They quote, this is the way they quote it. Um, They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human 
voice, okay? Now, they, they bring up the donkey there. They bring up the donkey, but this seems to indicate that inside of him was a love of money. Or, as the King James puts it, loved the wages. Same thing, a love of money. So it's the thing in Balaam, a love of money. And in a roundabout way, we see the first hint of it when he's like, hey, even if you brought me all this money, I couldn't do it. But, 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 but wait, 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 don't, don't go back yet. Don't go, because I got to go see if God has anything else to say. And in his God's, what appears to be a sudden change, okay, you want to go, go. Because God knows that, that, hey, this love of money is there and I'm going to let it play itself out? I, I don't know, right? Let's go back. Let's go back to Numbers 22. Let's go back to Numbers 22. All right. Okay, Numbers 22. We'll go to, where do we want to go here? Now, this brings us, We'll go to verse 20. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if, if the men come to call thee, rise up, go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou, thou shall thou do. Okay, you can go, but you're going to do what I tell you to do. All right, well, he's already, okay. It, it still seems weird. All right. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. So he wakes up in the morning and he goes. Verse 22, and God's anger was kindled because he went. What in the world just happened? Hey, go. Why are you going? <laughs> what, what just happened there? I'm, I'm going to read it from another translation. It's Numbers 22, 22, okay? And this is from a different translation. But God was incensed that Balaam was going. What? What? You just said he could go. Does anyone, does that not just stop? Does that, is that not absolutely crazy? All right? this is crazy. Now they, they go to, uh, let's see here. Um, so yeah, the article seems to just overlook this. The article just seems to like nobody even, nobody even meant everyone just kind of overlooks this. I, I don't know for you. I'm like, wait a minute. So let, let me see if I missed something. So let's read this again. Numbers 22, 20. All right. So they come, he's like, Hey, Hey, even if you give me, if you give me a house full of silver, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. But, but wait, 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 wait. I'm going to see if God has anything else to say. I'm going to see. Now remember, God's already told him no. So already this seems a little like, oh, come on, Balaam, come on, what's really going on? And, and Peter seems to, and uh, seems to give us an idea that he loves money. He loves money. And he's like, I can't just, come on, God, you got to let me go. And then verse 20, and God came to Balaam at, at night and said unto him, if the man come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, 
thou shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now, we could argue, I'm going to see how this is written in other translations. Maybe we could argue, I'm going to go back to Numbers 22, 20. God came to Balaam at night and said unto him, since these men have come to summon you, get up and go with them, but you must only do what I tell you. While he got up in the morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and went with the officials of Moab. So this reads it like, hey, since the men, since the men, the King James reads almost like, um, let's see, where is it? And God came to Balaam at night and said in him, if the men come to call thee, in other words, okay, you just stay here. And if they come to you, go with them. It, so, so is that the, some translations will, the, the men have already come to you. So just go with them, just go with them. So do, do we, does translation here try to give us an answer? Whatever happens, God is not happy with the fact that Balaam goes. And, and, and does the, is God upset because Balaam is going or is he upset because he knows what's in Balaam's heart? And Balaam's heart is a love for money more than a love for God. But he goes and then look what happens. Right? God's anger was kindled because he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. He's going. God is upset and the angel of the Lord is going to stand in the way. This gets, so this immediately sets up the story of Balaam and the talking donkey. There's God to, is it possible that somehow this encounter with Balaam and the talking donkey somehow is a spiritual illustration or a or a parable, an earthly story that illustrates kind of the spiritual principles that we've just kind of see unfold in the dialogue previously between Balaam and God? To somehow, is this there to ill it? Like, okay, here's what just happened. This between God and Balaam. Now I'm going to give you an earthly story to somehow illustrate what occurred. The, the article does this. All right. Okay. This is what they say. If the narration of the talking donkey doesn't suggest God's sense of humor, then certainly the prophet's response does. He answered the animal. In all seriousness, Numbers 22, 21 through 25 gives us a whole lot more to think about than a talking donkey. Then they start going through it. Now, what, what bothers me here is they skip the bizarre, like there's a context here. I don't know why they skip it. The context is, is wait a minute. God says, don't go. Then God says, go. Then he goes and God gets upset that he goes. That, like that's got to be a part of the story. So he's going, God is upset. The angel of the Lord stands in the way for an adversary against him. So, so he's going, but the angel of the Lord, God, in a sense, has he's got an he's now he 
he has become, he's now entered into an adversarial relationship with God. God has now got the, the angel of the Lord there is to stand against Balaam. Verse 23, and when the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand, the ass turned aside out of the way, went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. The donkey sees it, sees the angel of the Lord and says, oh, danger, danger, danger. I'm going to, I'm going to go out in the field. I'm going to try to find a way to get around this. And Balaam, boom, starts striking, or at least, we, okay, you want to make sure we stay accurate to the text. He, um, see here. He smote the ass to turn her into the way. I, I cannot be dogmatic that it was more than once, so at least one. Get back on the road. Get back on the road. So now Balaam is entering into a, can we say, a contest of wills with a donkey? Balaam wants the donkey to go this way, and the donkey is going against the will of Balaam. So you have Balaam like, no, go this way, but the donkey will not because the donkey sees something that Balaam doesn't. Now, now, is this illustrating that uh, that uh, Balaam that uh, Balaam was asking God, hey, what do I do? God says, don't go, don't go. Balaam asks again. And God's like, okay, go. But God sees what's inside Balaam's heart. And there is, there is greed there. So God wants Balaam to do the right thing. Balaam wants to do, God wants Balaam to do his will. Balaam wants to do his own will. And God knows that there's something inside of Balaam. That's the one pointing him the way. So now he's going to put him in a situation where now Balaam wants to go one way. The donkey wants to go the other way because the donkey sees the reality that, that Balaam can't see just as Balaam appears to not see his own greed. Is this to illustrate what just happened? Hey, Balaam goes to God. Hey, I, these people told me to go with him. I came to you. All right, that, that's godly. And God's like, don't go. Okay, hey guys, I can't go. They come back. Oh man. You know, even if you brought me a whole bunch of gold, I couldn't go. But but wait here. God, they came back. Okay, just go with them. Just go with them. Oh, okay. Really? Really? All right. I'm going to go with them. Because he can't even see his own greed. So then God's like, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, he takes off and immediately he puts an angel there. Balaam can't see the angel. He can't see the danger. Just like Balaam can't appear to see the danger of the greed inside of him. So he's no, now he's going to place Balaam in a contest with a donkey. The donkey sees and tries to get out of the way. Balaam smites, tries to bring it back into his way. It's a contest of wills. God has a will. Balaam clearly doesn't seem to want to follow God's will. He wants his own will. And now Balaam has to have a fight with a donkey who's trying to go do something different than what Balaam wants. Is it to illustrate that? I think there, I think there has to be something there to that. I think it has to be there for an illustrative purpose. He's trying to demonstrate to Balaam, you're not getting it. 
you're not getting it. You don't see the problem. There's greed inside of you. You love money. You love money more than you. There's something hidden that you don't see. All right, so I'm going to put you in a situation that I'm going to show the the animal's going to see what you don't see. The animal's going to try to go around this danger. You're going to get mad because the animal's not doing what you want, and you're going to strike it to try to bring it back on on the road that you want it to go. there's got to be something to that, right? This is what the article does here. This is what the article does here. First, the donkey makes Balaam mad because he disobeys his lead and wanders off the road. That's because God allowed the animal to see the angel of the Lord standing in the way. Even a donkey has the discernment to not stand against an angel with a sword in hand. And apparently the donkey has more spiritual discernment than our prophet here. Balaam's focus was on the reward, no doubt. And the response was to beat the poor donkey. Yeah, I, I, so, so they try to put the idea that Balaam, all he can see is money, that he can't see the angel of the Lord. But I think it's more illustrative of, the, of what just came about. Balaam can't see his own greed, or at least I don't think he can see his greed. He is so motivated by his, by his greed, he doesn't really see it. I mean, he tried to act pious, like, hey, even if you gave me all the gold, I couldn't do it. But there's a love for money there, according to 2 Peter. It's, it's there, whether Balaam wants to acknowledge, even if he wants to cover it up with his piousness. But the fact that he says, hey, okay, guys, wait, 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 I'm going to ask God one more time. And God's like, okay, go, go. But God is upset. So you're going to go but you're going against what I, now it's almost like you're going to go, but you're going against what I originally told you. You've got to, do you see the problem here? There's a hidden problem and you don't see it, but I'm going to stand in your way. I'm going to stand as an adversary and see if you recognize that you're going against my will. And so I'm going to put you in a, a living illustration the donkey's going to see because the donkey has more spiritual perception than you do. But you are not going to see the danger just like you don't see the greed. You're going to strike, beat the donkey to get it to do what you want because you want your will to be done. They say the second thing here is the angel of the Lord is astonishing because all evidence points to this being none other than the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, in the flesh. We know this because in verse 31, Balaam sees the angel, all right? So we can get into a discussion there. Sorry, I had to cough there. Um, I don't know. Verse, if, if we read this, verse uh, 23, so uh, so he, or he smites the, the donkey to get back on the way. Verse 24, but the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on the side and a wall on that side. And when the ass or the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and he smote her again. So in other words, he is... He is having this massive struggle with the donkey. 
It's the, the donkey realizes the danger. Balaam doesn't. And Balaam is forcibly trying to get his will, even at the cost of beating this animal. And he's facing the consequences of it because, his, well, his foot has get smashed against the wall. In other words, this is to illustrate you're going against God's will. Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with a staff. He begins to beat the animal. The animal sees the danger. Balaam can't see the danger. Balaam can't see his own greed. Balaam doesn't even appear to understand that he's going against God's will in, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, clearly, God is not happy about the situation. I don't know why God said go. That, that's just mind-blowing, but we clearly the text is screaming, you're not supposed to be going here. You're not. You don't even see it. You don't even understand it. Are we a little bit like Balaam where we beat, pull, push to get our way, to get our way, to get our will. We'll, we'll smite the donkey. We'll, we'll beat the donkey. We're going like, to get back on the road and we're going to go our way because we cannot see our own lust, our own greed. Our own, we, we're just going to like, I'm going to go my way because you, we're, we can't even recognize the danger. He couldn't recognize Balaam did not see the, the danger in him, and he did not see the danger before him. But he was going to forcibly get his will. Is that kind of not what he did? Hey, God says, no, don't go. But hey, God, I, I'm coming back a second time. Okay, just go, just go. If that's the way you're going to be, just go. But, but I'm going to be against you. And he doesn't even realize it, doesn't even understand it. What are we blind to? Are we blind to God's will? Are we blind to the lust and the, 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 desire, the sinful desire in us? And are we blind to the spiritual danger in front of us? Are we blind to God's will? Are we blind to the lust and desire in us? And are we blind to the spiritual danger in front of us. And we'll beat and do whatever we've got to do to, to get things back on the road so that we can move forward. We'll stop right there because we're at 58 minutes. I, th I think there's something here. I think I think this. We, I want you to really think about this. What's happening with Balaam and the donkey? What do you think it's picturing? What it's it's. I'm telling you, there it, it's got to be illustrating. I think what came before. I think the whole thing that happened before fits perfectly with this. I don't think it's just there for for entertainment purposes. All right, I'm gonna stop. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I wish this article that I have in front of me would do more with it. They, they, they go really quick past Balaam and the talking donkey, 
but I think there's something there. All right, you let me know what you think. All right, everyone have a great day. We'll be live at 6 p.m., Matthew 24, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to do anything else between now and then because this is hour number three of teaching today. Uh, Then uh, church tonight will be hour number four. That's four hours of teaching. I think that may be sufficient for today, but we'll see. If I decide to do anything else, well, I'll come right back up here and plug in the microphone. Well, the microphone's already plugged in. I'll just, and I've already got the laptop plugged in. I'll just hit this button and go live and we'll talk about whatever. So feel free to email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.